What's up, everybody? We have a great podcast for you today. My guest is Kara Golden, the founder and CEO of Hint, which is best known for its beverages, but also has a line of personal care products, too. She's a groundbreaking entrepreneur who received a ton of accolades during her career, including EY Entrepreneur of the Year for Northern California, InStyle's Badass 50, Fast Company's Most Creative People in Business, and Fortune's Most Powerful Women Entrepreneurs. The Huffington Post listed her as one of six disruptors in business, alongside Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. And now she can add Wall Street Journal bestselling author to her accomplishments, having just made the list with her newly released book, Undaunted. In this interview, we cover several key learnings that she wrote about in the book from throughout her varied career, which spanned Time Inc., CNN, and AOL before launching Hint. We discuss the value of creating your own opportunities and just getting started without overthinking things too much, the concept of building the airplane while flying it, and also how to transform setbacks into opportunities. Lots of great anecdotes and insights here from the book, which I highly recommend you pick up if you haven't already read it. There'll be a link to the book in the show notes below. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. Joe Tarnowski with ECRM, and thank you for joining us. My guest today is Kara Golden, who's the founder and CEO of Hint, which is best known for its beverages, but also has a line of personal care products as well. Kara is also the host of the Kara Golden Show podcast, and most recently, the author of Undaunted, which is an amazing book. I highly recommend it for brand owners, for entrepreneurs. There's something in it for everybody. And in the book, she talks about the challenges and the obstacles she faced throughout her career, how she overcame those challenges, and the lessons that she learned along the way. So, Kara, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I have to tell you, my biggest challenge was narrowing down the topics that I wanted to cover on it because there's so many good things in the book, so many anecdotes and, and themes, but I did figure out four themes that kind of resonated with me that I think will resonate with my audience and they're, they're kind of um, chapter titles as well. So we'll dig into those, but I wanted to start out with the title, Undaunted. You know, yeah. what, what does it mean to you uh, to be undaunted? And, and why is that your overarching message to the, to the reader? Yeah, so undaunted. And then the subtitle is Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And I think it really, um, I think they, they really kind of go together as, as I think about this, because it, it, as I mentioned to you before, this book really came out of four years of journaling and, and kind of sharing my stories. And when I've been out speaking over the last few years about, you know, building my company and, you know, being an entrepreneur, what I found is that there's, I always run into people live or, you know, in, in on LinkedIn or, you know, wherever that share their stories about how, you know, they had all these, they have all these doubts that they can't do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that they've seen me, like who is resilient and 
just goes and does it and never had any failures, didn't fear anything, like didn't have any doubts, like never, no one ever doubted me. And so I would share these stories when, you know, people would make these big statements about me and about entrepreneurs in general. And like, I felt like just through telling my stories, it would actually make them feel better, but also give them permission to move forward. And so it, and so, you know, I've, even after I've met people at some of these conferences, they would, you know, write to me afterwards and saying, thank you so much for like saying that to me, because I realize that it's okay to move forward without all the answers. It's okay if that, you know, man or woman who has lots of industry experience tells me I have a terrible idea that, you know, I, I, I just go try anyway. Or, you know, if I get kicked out of Starbucks or whatever, like it's not over. Right. And, and I'm like, exactly. Like you just got to go and just keep trying and like, know that it's part of your journey. And, and so I didn't even have a name for the book until, um, until actually this, like, I guess it was January when I turned in my manuscript and they're like, you got to have a name for the book. And, and so, you know, started thinking, a lot more about this. And, and what I realized is that over the course of so many years, people would, you know, talk about resilience or being undaunted, or I would respond back to them, like, you've just, just got to be undaunted, you've just got to like, go for it and get and get into the right mindset. And so that for me was was kind of the reason for for it. But also, it's just a strong word. Like, I mean, I, I think it's the same with Hint, you know, my company, my day job, as I talk about it. I mean, people have always said, God, it's such a great name. It's four letters. It's just like, it's just, you know, strong and powerful. And that's how I thought about Undaunted too, that it's like, it's super strong and powerful. And, and I think people just get it, you know, that they're just like, okay, like this is going to be her journey. But then in addition like maybe, maybe I'm a little bit of that too. If I, you know, start to get over my fears and know that, you know, really I'm no different than she is. And, and really that, that is the purpose of the book. I mean, that I didn't plan on being an author and, you know, writing this book, but what I, what I thought about when I finally decided to try and publish was that if, if I could actually share my stories, then maybe people would, would listen and and see that my stories are really no different than their stories, but I'm still smiling and I came out of it, right? And and that if they just don't take themselves so seriously, you know, know that like stuff that you can't control is going to happen, bad stuff is going to happen along the way, you know, and but if you really set your mind to doing something, um, you know, you can go and do it. And, and that is my hope for people reading this book, that they realize that if she can do it, then maybe I could do it too. And, and it's not, as we were talking about, it's not just for entrepreneurs, it's for people just going through hard stuff, which everybody's going through right now. So I think there's no better time than now to, you know, read this book and, and really kind of get some, get some mojo off of it. So 
You know, you're absolutely right because uh, you actually, there are some things that, that you did go through in the book, which we're, we're going to get to a little bit uh, further down. But, you know, you did go through a lot of hard times in the whole, uh, on your whole journey. And it's funny, you mentioned that, you know, you didn't plan to be an author, but you also didn't plan to be an entrepreneur either. <laughs> totally. Yeah, absolutely. An accidental entrepreneur, as yeah. I, I like to label myself as such. So um, one, one thing that really resonated with me was, you know, throughout the whole book, you were always creating your own opportunities, right? You did it at Time Inc. You did it at To, to Market. You did it at AOL. And finally, Hint. Uh, can you talk about some of the ways in which you've done that? Maybe some, uh, um, you know, details of some of those experiences and, and how it's benefited you and, and how you think that would benefit other people? Yeah, I mean, I think so often if we overthink things, then we actually won't do them, right? We sort of build up a lot of anxiety around, um, and I certainly, you know, have done that in the past too, where we, we decide that things are going to be too hard, or I don't have enough experience. And instead, if we just kind of move forward, I'm a huge believer that, you know, maybe we'll go and launch what is now the uh, largest private non-alcoholic beverage in the country that doesn't have a relationship with Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper Snapple, or we may just decide that that's not what we want to do. But it's never a waste of time to actually go try and do something, right, that you think is, is interesting, right? Like that you might learn something along the way. And so, I've always believed that. I mean, even, you know, as a kid in sports, like I, I did competitive gymnastics and, you know, did lots of different sports. It was like the one thing that my dad always said to us, like, you should always be playing a sport. Like, and I was like, okay, you know, I liked sports, but so when I wasn't doing gymnastics, I was trying softball and I was trying all these different things. And, and there were some sports that I was like pretty good at. And there were other things that I wasn't that great at, but it doesn't mean that I wasn't like learning along the way. And I always, you know, showed up and had a good time and, and like, and just like laughed at myself a little bit and, you know, and, and also appreciated people that were better, right. than me too. And, but, the, but I didn't put them into a position of being like godlike, you know, like yeah. I, I put them into a position of they're just super normal, but they're really good. Like, you know, and, and so I felt like it was kind of the same when I actually went out to um, look for a job. I, I wanted to work for Fortune magazine and they were based in New York and the editorial side of it. And so I, I literally like, wrote a letter to the then managing editor of Fortune magazine. And then I bought a plane ticket and I got on the plane and went to New York. I had never been to New York. Like, I mean, for me, like a girl from Arizona, I came out to New York and, you know, just looking around. I had never been on a subway before. And that wasn't, and New York was a little different then than it is now. It wasn't as safe as no. it is now. I mean, what, what do you, what year? 19, it was 1989. That was like the, during the crack epidemic, yeah. right in the middle of the crack epidemic. No, so. I remember the only person to save money. I stayed with a friend of my sister. My sister's two years older than me. 
and she was living in the East Village on St. Mark's between B and C. Mm-hmm. And I rem- I mean, that was like not a good like location and at all. And I remember the first day um, there was a that I walked outside to go to work. And this was after I, you know, applied for the job, got the job. I went home to Arizona and then I came back mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I came out and saw a police officer spray painting um, or he had just spray painted the body was gone, but he had spray painted a dead body. Like, I mean, I like had never seen anything like welcome this. to New York, right? Welcome to New York. And that's what I said. Like, I just thought, okay, well, I got to go to work now. And, and I was a little freaked out by it, but I, I was, I remember, you know, calling my parents and, and they were like, well, that's probably like the worst thing that will happen. And I'm like, that was pretty bad. I mean, and they're like, well, at least it didn't happen to you. And I'm like, that's true. Like, well, we'll just keep like moving forward. But, but again, like it just adds to your strength. And, and like, as you experience these things, like I wasn't going to sit there and say it happened to me because it didn't happen to me. Right. It, Mm -hmm. it, it was like, and again, that's kind of been the mentality that I've had along the way but again getting back to um getting back to the job so when i ended up going and and deciding that i was going to get this job at fortune magazine i emailed the the gentleman who was the managing director and he wrote me this really nice note like if you're ever in the new york area let me know and so i get my plane ticket and i go out there and where else are you supposed to get a job but in the hr department that's like what they teach us right you go to hr especially in like big companies and so this was before security and the time life building and so i just marched in and i just said i'm i'm here like to get a job and they i mean they just didn't know what to do with me the poor receptionist i can still see her face she was like uh I, you know I don't and know. You had the email response back, right? Because uh, yeah, I had the letter. I had it on a piece of paper, and I showed it, and she, you know, she saw it, and he's a very important person, so she's kind of like looking at it, going, I, I, "I don't know. I mean, no one does this," and introduces me to her boss, who introduces me to their boss, and then like I'm, I'm part of like the picture. Now I'm like sitting there. I'm just kind of like, I, I don't know. He, he emailed me. No one said, knows what to do with you. <laughs> no one knew what to do with me. And then after a while, I just said, well, is there any other jobs in the building? And, and they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I'll do, I'll do anything. Like, I mean, I'd love to work here. This is just this incredible place. And that's when they introduced me to, you know, my next boss. And, and I didn't even know like, what circulation was at time mm-hmm. and it's basically all these insert cards that go into magazines that are so annoying that fall out yep. like and but basically like it was i was learning you know i was working in the department i was an executive assistant it wasn't anything fancy but i was learning so much about customers and behaviors mm-hmm. and how you talk to them and i would always like just try and learn right like yeah. i would i would like ask people so what is it that like you're, you try and do, like you change offers from, you know, 1997 to 1999. And then I would find somebody because I was so curious, Mm -hmm. they would show me on a spreadsheet, how consumers responded to certain like numbers. And I'm like, wow, that's so interesting. And I mentioned this because I've always felt like working for people um, and and even working around people, they don't even have to like it, it. It's just, like show up every day and just try and learn something. 
like, because it just makes your life that much more interesting, you know? And I've said, like, if you're, if you're working for jerks, like, then go find something else. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, just don't just move on. Like life's too short. There's plenty of things out there that you can be doing. And that was always kind of like how I thought about uh, things. But again, when I, you know, finally made it out to San Francisco, that wasn't my idea either. My husband wanted to get into technology law and he had graduated from NYU law school and it was New York in the mid nineties. And everybody was like, Oh, you want to do this thing called internet law? Ha ha. Like you go, go West, get out of here. Like, and he's a New Yorker too, grew up in Scarsdale. And we were both like, Oh, what's California? Like we got engaged and we moved out to San Francisco, but we thought we were only going to be here a year And, you know, and we kind of felt like fish out of water in San Francisco. And that's when, you know, I just, again, I had always really been like curious and was reading about all these entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. And that's when I stumbled upon this article um, about this guy, Steve Jobs. And I was obsessed. Like, I was just like, he totally gets it. Like I had been on one of his like original IMAX and, you know, that was the original stuff and I was like he just makes it pretty and easy yeah. and it's just like and I just like got it and and so I thought anything that he does could be really interesting and you know and that's like I picked up the phone and I called like the spin out of this uh, of this idea that was inside of Apple that I never worked for Steve and I never worked at Apple I worked for this little startup and little did I know though that, you know, that would ultimately lead to, um, you know, a major, major break that Mm -hmm. where I ran e-commerce for AOL and I was, you know, like picking up the phone and calling all these catalogers. And again, like, you know, they asked me, can you do this job? Like, I'm, I'm like, sure. Did I, could, did I know that I could do the job? No, I like, not at all. I just said, you know, as Guy uh, Kawasaki, as you and I were talking about him earlier, he was like, you just kind of like did the fake it till you make it a little bit. And I was like, maybe a little bit, but I just, you know, I just felt like if I just go try, mm-hmm. I'm smart. I can, I can ultimately go do these things. But I also feel like when I ultimately decided to go and start my own company, like there was nobody to go to, to mm-hmm. sort of like ask them, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Right. Like and there was nobody like to confirm mm-hmm. that it was actually right. And so that to me was like a whole new world, right? Mm-hmm. Before I had been inside this company where everybody there, there was always somebody that knew yeah. like more than me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so and, and, you know, that I could ask for advice or ask for help. But that was the thing that was so lonely to me and starting, you know, hint was, was really, I recognized, of course, early on that I had no experience. But even when I went to the people that actually had experience, what I learned is that I was really on a totally different mission. I was on a mission of health mm-hmm. and not really a mission like this for me was the vehicle to actually gain health, which is like, it seems like, duh, today, but 15 years ago, I would say that to people Mm. and they're like, I don't get it. Like, what do you mean? How could a bottle of water 
actually help you gain health. And I'm like, because people don't drink water because yep. it's boring. Right. And that's why diet Coke and like vitamin water and some of these kind of like healthy perception versus he healthy reality drinks are big businesses. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was like such a big concept, Yeah, but it wasn't like, let me, let me figure out a way to go compete with those guys. It was like, let me go solve a problem because I had solved it for myself around a different way of looking at it, a different, yeah. different, uh, different realm that you were in. Right. But you know, the more I've looked, the more I've kind of like looked into industries though, too. And even, you know, talking about Steve jobs and, you know, why he ultimately did, you know, the iMac and developed, it was really to solve a problem mm -hmm. around making it much more consumer friendly yeah. and pretty and like engaging in some way. And so, Again, that like there's a lot of similarities to the hint story with so many other, um, mm -hmm. you know, entrepreneurs and founders that I've met along the way. Everybody from Neil at Warby Parker to, um, you know, Sarah Blakely at Spanx or, you know, it, Hamdi at Chobani. Like people had this like problem mm -hmm. that they were trying to solve yeah. and it might not have been my problem but it was their problem that they saw mm -hmm. and then they then they solved for that problem by creating great stuff that ultimately you know ended up becoming you know a big company but along big companies but along the way like i think the most interesting part is like there is the journeys mm -hmm. and the and the things that are like you know kind of make or break um mm -hmm. that that ultimately make these people so yep and I think that one thing that you see throughout the book and throughout your journey is that, one, you're a voracious reader, but also, you know, so you're always constantly learning. I think this is valuable for, for lots of uh, entrepreneurs or brand owners. You're always learning, but not just from books and magazines, from people. You're constantly, one, you're never afraid to ask a quote-unquote dumb question. Mm -hmm. You'll reach out to anybody, cold call anybody. Uh, I mean, like like the lunch you had with the, the guy from Two Market, when you just yeah. cold called them. Can you talk about that? Because I think that illustrates, uh, you know, that kind of encapsulates it. You just, you'll reach out to anybody and just pick their brains. And, and that kind of helps with these opportunities and, and, and finding your way. Yeah. I mean, I think more than any, anything, I like, I get more excited even about people that I know nothing about their industry, which is mm -hmm. kind of counter to how people like think about things like, you know, the, the guys at BevNet, like I often go to their conferences or I, you know, went, went a lot more earlier on. But what I found was that I'd actually enjoy it lots more going to conferences where like, it's just an interesting topic, but I don't know anybody there because mm -hmm. I find like if I just sit down next to somebody or like, you know, then I just start talking to them and I get to, you know, in, I, I get to learn and I love to learn. And I think that that's, that is really, you know, that story, but, um, you know, just a little bit more about me, but yeah, the two market story. I mean, I just picked up the phone primarily because I didn't know anybody in San Francisco. And I saw that San Mateo was um, 
kind of close. Like I was like, I know it's up here in Northern California somewhere and it's not too far. And I had a car and I wasn't doing anything. I was actually getting married six months later. And so I didn't really want to take a job because I was like, you know, I'm going to take a job and then I'm going to say, oh, by the way, I want to go away for a couple of weeks. And, you know, and I, I just didn't want to do that. So instead I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm going to like get our apartment together and like plan the wedding more and just kind of enjoy San Francisco. But while I was doing it, I ran into this article that about this company that was doing, um, you know, CD-ROM shopping. And I had heard about like some of these um, online shopping services and like there were um, some of these some of these companies um, like cable modem projects they called them were going on with Viacom and I'm trying to think there was one out here in um, the Bay Area that was Pac Bell was was putting it on but again they were tiny and they were really small and so this was the first time that I had read about um, you know really solving a problem that I had seen, like in order to get women shopping online, the concept was that it has to be like graphically interesting. Mm -hmm. And so otherwise people wouldn't like leave a, like shopping in a catalog or going to a store mm -hmm. unless it sort of mimicked like, and it was a better experience. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, that that's really interesting. And so Steve had come up with this idea and it was a project inside of Apple called on passant and um and basically you know it was tiny and there were a few guys that were working on it and i just thought i don't know maybe i just like you know just learn right maybe i can learn a little bit more about this and i don't know what i do with it i mean maybe i go and you know eventually i'm going back to new york and maybe it'll be a little further along the viacom and some of these other projects but again i i didn't try I guess the point is, is I didn't try to sort of like, like t tie the ribbon and, you know, into like nice neat bow before I got there. I wasn't really sure why I was there no. um, at this lunch with, with this guy. But what I realized is that I could actually add something to the conversation, you know, and just sort of sharing, you know, what I was doing there. I was buying him his cup of coffee, so, or lunch or whatever, and both. And, and that was, I, I think like that, that's the way that I've handled life, you know, mm -hmm. to even to, to this day, half the time I, I'm not, I think so often people believe like they have to know where they're going before they just start going, mm -hmm. which, right, which I think is, yeah. is not necessarily like, oftentimes, if you don't know where you're going, then you're, you know, you actually won't go. Yeah, and that's, you know what, that's the perfect segue into the next thing, which was, uh, and it, it's, a, you know, one of the chapter titles, Just Get Started, right? There's so many brand owners, so many wannabe entrepreneurs that they have an idea or, you know, maybe they feel they don't know enough to get started or maybe their product isn't just right. Um, you know, so what you've jumped into you know hints with like you said without knowing anything about the industry and so what has that experience uh, um taught you about the value of just getting started and and not overthinking things before you do yeah i mean i think what i found along the way was that there was 
definitely things that I could totally handle that went perfectly, but there were many things that, that didn't. And I had to sort of like rely on my gut to sort of say like, okay, we need to, you know, reroute and go left instead of right. Right. Which is fine. Right. And, 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 but again, like if somebody would have told me and I would have followed the guidelines of, okay, you got to go right. And then just keep driving and it's really the wrong way. And then I decide like, or, and I can't turn around and go the other way. Then I think I just would have, like, I never would have started, you know what I mean? Like, or I would have quit and thought I was like a failure or whatever. And, and I think it's the more that I've, you know, kind of experience. And, and again, like this was my first startup, like that I was running, mm-hmm. I'd kind of, I'd worked at two market and then to some extent CNN when I was there. And then also um, AOL, I mean, I was there pretty early. What I found along the way is that most CEOs, most successful people, most professional athletes, most like people that like, you look at and you think, oh, wow, they totally have it together. They knew what they were doing. They were lucky. They were this, you know, you have all these opinions and, and like, they, it's just not the case, right? They were willing to actually try and like stumble a little bit and, you know, and own the fact that they don't actually know. I mean, I frequently say even to this day, I mean, 15 years later, I have no idea what I'm doing right? Like most, most days, like I have a relatively like, you know, I have a relative idea of a direction that I'm headed in, but again, a pandemic hits. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I got this one. Right. No, but like, I, I'm like, uh, I not really sure what's going on here, but here's what I do know back in 2009 during the financial crisis, like, here's what we did wrong. Here's what we should have done sooner. Here's what we should have like, let's focus on the businesses that are like no brainers that they're working, right? And throw the gas on those so that we have time to figure out the stuff that we're like, ah, like how we don't know how long the pandemic's going to last. Like, can we reallocate people? And again, like, you know, I think that that's also something that I think is absolutely critical that hopefully you got out of the book was that it's, um, you know, your journey is yours, right? And you, and if you actually, if it, I could have easily sat there and said, 2008, 2009 was like terrible, lots of things happened that were bad, but all that, but in addition, why not say, here's what I learned from it? And actually look at like how you become better. Like I learned a lot of things during the last eight months. I did a lot of things amazing, but I also learned some things along the way that, and I'm sure you did with, you know, pivoting some of the stuff that Mm -hmm. you guys are doing too, that you're like, yeah, it would have been better if like asking those kind of questions, I think are just so important. And so again, I, I, I think that, that's like owning, owning kind of what's happened, whether it's good or bad or mm-hmm. kind of indifferent, I think it's like a really important piece of it. And, you know, to some extent, it, it's funny because people will say like, you're so authentic, like you just like say it as it is. And I'm like, 
I don't know really how to be any other way. But I think what, what is funny is if you actually do own like who you are every single day and, you know, and then I find like you kind of attract people like you that actually do want to learn and they may be some big name, right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, or, you know, they may get like, like, you know, shafted on television for like, you know, running some big company or whatever. But I've like met a lot of those people along the way. And I feel like the key thing is, is that they're survivors too, because they own the fact like, yeah, that, that thing didn't go so well. Right. And here's yeah. how you get, get better, which my I think friend, people need to do. Yeah. My friend refers to those incidents as making tuition payments. Yeah. Something yeah, no. goes wrong and he learned something and, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. But again, like, it's just, I think that this idea of everybody being perfect is not a, you know, I, I just don't think it's healthy. I don't mm-hmm. think it's, it's, you know, I, I would much rather, um, you know, live in a world where you own your mistakes and you say like, you know, I'm, I'm going to learn along the way. And as yeah. you and I talked about, I have a podcast um, as well, the Kara Golden Show. I I interviewed um, a guy that you may be familiar with who has a pretty interesting business in New York um, called Rumble Fitness. Do you know Rumble? Yeah, I've heard like of it. Yeah, boxing gym, and mm-hmm. he's amazing. And you know they were on fire in in February. I mean they were doing they were spreading throughout the country. He like sold like half of his company to Equinox. I mean he was like he was mm-hmm. like on fire. Suddenly, March rolls around, all gyms closed down. He's like, you know, like in some ways, thankfully, like Equinox was, you know, kind of in the same position as he was. Um, But it was fascinating because I had him on my podcast, I think at the beginning of April. And um, I said, do you want to delay this until after the pandemic? He said, no, 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 I want to go on because I want to like, I want to go back and listen to this when all of this is over and I want to see where my head was. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a really good interview. And it was fascinating because as I was talking to him, he shared that he owned a bunch of nightclubs in New York um, during the financial crisis. And he said he tried to like save them and, you know, be the hero and like, you know, do all the stuff. And, you know, that was the wrong decision right on on a lot of levels and so he talks about how he thinks that you know on this pandemic he's really done a lot of things right because he did so many things wrong in the last time mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that he's like a lifelong failure it means like i'm not going to make those mistakes again and, and it was interesting because he was sharing that that some of members of his team who hadn't sort of been working even like during this time, they said, oh, you're negative, you're this, you're this. And he said, no, like, this is my journey. Yeah. Like, this is what I, this is like a memory. And some of it is like, you know, crippling to me, like sort of what I was, what <laughs> yeah. I was through. And, you know, anyway, it, it got me really thinking about, again, he wasn't depressed about it. Mm-hmm. He was like, he wanted, you know, today's life to be a little bit better but the fact that he can own the things that he did wrong mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and the stuff that put him into great debt. Right. And along the way, like he said, I'm just not going to go there anymore. 
right? I'm going to, I'm going to figure out like, what are the good things? And in the exact same pattern that very much what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you have to be <clears throat> willing to take some risks because that's, you know, you're not going to grow unless you do. And when you do take risks, sometimes they're not going to pan out and things happen. And like you said, it's what you learn from that. And that gives you the confidence to go and take those risks like you and Whole Foods during baby number four, when you yeah. just walked in and started, you know, uh, I love that story. Can you uh, talk about that when you made your first delivery to that guy in Whole Foods? <laughs> yeah. So I was pregnant with my fourth and I was having a planned C-section at two o'clock in the afternoon on May 27th, 2005. And that's when, uh, I, walked into the store. My husband was helping me because he didn't want me to carry cases. So he's carrying them into the store. And these are your first cases getting in. Yeah. And making, making sure that it was like going to happen. Like he was following me. He wasn't even involved at this point in sort of, you know, the process. And that's when um, I see the guy that I had been sort of talking to in Whole Foods and asking him a million questions. And the first thing out of his mouth was like, oh my gosh, you're like really pregnant. Are you going to deliver right now in the store? And I'm like, I hope not. I mean, that'd be really bad because I have to be at the hospital at, at two. And uh, he said, how do you know you have to like be at the hospital at two? And I, and I said, so I'm having a planned C-section. And so I went on, um, you know, to basically he said, what's a planned C-section? And I said, well, there's emergency C-sections. I've had that too. So like, which part do you want to know? And he was like, I just don't really even know what a C-section was. I'm so curious. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, here's what happened. And then I went on and, and like told him. And then, you know, my poor husband is like backing up into the fruits and vegetable section, just going, I cannot believe she's, you know, having this conversation. And and so um, 15 minutes later, my husband comes back and he's like, did you explain it? And I said, I did. And he, and the guy was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm so happy. Like I, here I am like working at whole foods. And like, now I've got a whole education on like how babies, where babies come from and you know, how they're delivered. And, and I, you know, we're laughing and joking around. And then he said, um, or I said, so will you put it on the shelf? And he was like, I'll try. I don't know if I could do it. And so we left whole foods that day and went to the hospital to go deliver. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even sure that like he was actually going to get it on the shelf. Yeah, it wasn't then, even guaranteed. It was, it was, you no. were, you were trying to get him to put it on the shelf. I was trying. And like, I got in the car and I remember thinking, well, I tried, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't happen. And then the next day I, my phone's ringing and I mean, it's, it's a uh, sort of another, Another bit of info where, you know, if you're having a fourth child and like your family doesn't call, your friends don't call, they're just like, she's going to be out of it yeah. for a few, <laughs> like few months. Right. And so, um, you know, I had four kids at this point under the age of six. And so I, I don't know, I was just sort of like rolling with it and see what would happen. But it was the guy from Whole Foods and he said, the cases are gone. And I was like, who took them? And he was like, no, they're sold. And I was like, wait, what? There's so you, we dropped 10 cases off to you. And he was like, I know they're gone. And I was like, oh my God, that's so crazy. Like, I mean, I just wanted him to get on the shelf. I hadn't really thought about like 
actually selling product. Of course, I wanted to sell the product, but I, but my, my goal was get it on the shelf at Whole Foods. And I did that. I wasn't sure that I had done that, but it actually ended up, and then all of a sudden I sold them. So we said, I can't hold your space and hold in Whole Foods for very long. Like you got to like get some more product. And so checked out of the hospital that day. And then my husband was like, you can't like go to the hospital. You just have a C-section, you know, you've got to like rest. And so I'll take the cases um, to Whole Foods. And that's when he came home and he said, by the way, like, uh, this guy was asking me for a card. And I mean, it's just you doing, you know, these deliveries and stuff. And so I just went to FedEx Kinko's and got some business cards. And he was like, uh, he's like, is it okay if I'm like, I, I put on the card that I'm chief operating officer of Hint Water. And I'm like, awesome. Like I, I could have <laughs> cared less. Like I was just like, whatever, you know, like here and he's, you know, a trained intellectual property lawyer, like he was, he had never been in the beverage industry either. And, uh, and so, you know, it was just us like, sort of like, kind of laughing a little bit, like, this is so crazy. Like we got it into Whole Foods. Okay, let's go and see if we can get it into some other stores. And but again, like, there was no roadmap. Mm -hmm. Like we basically were looking at, okay, where else should we go? What else should we do? And, and, um, and that's when, you know, even the the story where um, how we ultimately got to New York. I mean, it was it was um, my husband's from Scarsdale, and he was like, you know, I wonder if people in the in California like he didn't trust Californians. I think he's slightly better now, but he's like a he's a New Yorker, right at heart, and so he was like. I don't know, like maybe Californians think differently about drinks than, you know, they do in New York. So maybe you should actually get the product into New York. Like we had no idea what we were talking about. Like we were just like, oh, it'd be great to be in New York City. Like it's like awesome. And and then, you know, we just I went out there and and uh, his parents are still living there. And we had we just like basically hung out at stores, tried to figure out like who's stocking shelves, who's looks official. And so we started like following these people around. And of course, we'd heard about vitamin water and, you know, knew that they were a big deal out there. And then like, we just thought, okay, who's distributing vitamin water? And that's when we ended up getting a great distrib distributor that still distributes our product, Big Geyser. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, and I, and I, I mean, people said afterwards, I can't believe you went into New York City. Like, I mean, that is just like crazy that you ultimately just decided to launch there. And I'm like, well, I mean, I think that the key thing is, is that we wanted to figure out if it worked on the East Coast as well as the West Coast, mm -hmm. whether or not that was like logical or not, like that's how we thought about it. Oh. And, and it would give, we felt like if we launched it on the East Coast as, and it worked as well as it did on the West Coast, then that would give us the confidence to know that we actually had something that could spread to the middle of the country. Mm -hmm. And it was like, cool because all those incidents, you had a lot of incidents like that along the way. Yeah. In, in figuring it out. And, and that, um, you know, that kind of leads to the next point of building the airplane while you're flying it. I mean, because that's essentially what you were doing during that time. You're learning, you're tinkering, you're, you know, Theo working with the espresso machine, trying to figure out how to do the... Uh, get rid of the uh, uh, the cloudiness, the mold, 
Can you talk a little bit about, you know, I think it's important and we're going through this like we talked about before with ECRM, you know, pivoting to virtual when we're kind of iterating as we go along. And, you know, I think that's important for any business, especially if you're just going to get started, you, you know, you, you're, you have to refine it along the way. And you have done that throughout the whole uh, time with, uh, you know, in launching and growing Hint. So can you talk a little bit about yeah. the importance of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing that, I mean, I kept looking for like people who were, you know, industry experts and all the answers. And when I couldn't find the answers, then I would think, okay, well, maybe this way. But I didn't really know whether or not it would work or not. But I'm like, ah, eh, like, I'll, I'll go try and see what would happen. And what I figured out is that you, you can never succeed unless you ultimately go try, right? And so staying frozen is actually like probably not the right answer, right? Yeah. And, and, and instead, like if you go and have these little wins along the way, then you'll also realize that, you know, maybe it didn't, I mean, in the case of virtual, you've probably figured out that there's a certain amount of time right? Where like those work better than others. Like maybe, you know, you don't try and cram everything into, you know, one day, maybe you have three different days, like whatever it is, right? Like you're trying to like figure it out along the way. And, and I think that, that that's the thing like that I often, you know, share with entrepreneurs too, that if you actually want all the I's dotted and T's crossed and, and, you know, the entrepreneurism probably isn't for you. That doesn't mean that you can't go work for an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying to actually go start your own company. Like every entrepreneur that I know, there's no roadmap. Like there's no, there's no, like, this is the way every day is going to go. And I, and I think for me in my life too, that it actually, I wouldn't have been able to articulate this. I can look in the rear view mirror and, and, you know, say this now, but I, you know, had four kids under the age of six and I wanted to actually, I was really struggling because I wanted to be home with them more. I was traveling to the East coast a lot with my job at AOL and all over the country, the United Airlines pilots all knew my name. Like I was just like, I, you know, and I thought, I don't know, like, it's really great. I'm a VP. I've got 200 people working for me and, you know, and like, what's wrong with me? Like, I don't really like love what I'm doing. And, and I think, and again, I didn't hate it, but I wasn't like, oh my God, like I got to get up. Like I would look forward to having a day off. You know what I mean? Which I thought, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I really want to live my life that way. Instead, I want to live my life, you know, learning and trying and learning new industries. And so I think like, that's what I, that's what I see, you know, for so many people too. If you see like something in your life, like mine, where I wanted to be a mom, I wanted to like, you know, try and figure out like, is there, is, is there an idea that you have that you can start to incubate? Like, can you, you know, and I think like now is no better time to even be thinking about this too, is for example, how many people are dealing with homeschooling their kids, mm -hmm. right? And they've had to, I mean, I was on a CNBC piece um, a few weeks ago and, and the person who was interviewing me shared that like 30% um, or it's 
the, the number of women who are leaving the workforce today is 30% higher than it's ever been wow. in, since women started working, mm-hmm. right? And it's because maybe they make less money. And then if there's like a trade-off between, you know, whatever, a, a yeah. family's situation, they're, they're at home. But I, but I think like, how many of these people sit here and think like, gosh, I wish I had a certain sponge, or I wish I had, you know, this or, you know, or whatever it is, like, just start to figure out, like, go on Google and figure out how do I write a business plan for this? How do I because I think what it does is it kind of keeps you busy and it keeps you thinking about things. And then you start learning right along the way. And even if you decide I don't want to do it anymore, like, you have permission to actually say, I thought about starting a business. Yeah. Like that feels pretty damn good, right? Like I actually, I actually tried. I, I tried to build the plane while I, or fly the plane while I was, you know, building it. Like yeah. all of those things, it's really fun to go and mm-hmm. think like that. And that, that is, I think, a different mindset than maybe mm-hmm. like a lot of people have today. Instead, it's like, I got to stay home because I don't have the right job. I have kids at home. Who's going to do this? It's like you have a choice. You, yeah. can live, you can think about it that way or you can say all that. But during this time, I'm going to actually figure out what do I really want to do? Mm-hmm. Like, what is they have the time. Look, yeah. you launch a business with four kids. You know, th- nobody has any excuses. <laughs> I mean, well, and also, but, but, but here's, here's the thing, though, too. Like, people have said to me, yeah, but when, when did you have time to do this? And I said, you know what? I, I used to get up at 6.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. and then I decided if I really wanted to do this, I figured out, okay, no one wakes up in my house mm-hmm. until 6.30, so I'm going to get up at 5. Yeah. And I switch, I switch everything. So I, and to this day, I, you know, get up really early. And then depending, like I either I go to bed really early or like I don't, right? Mm-hmm. Like depending on how I feel. Yeah, but again, yeah. like start reworking your schedule based on what you want to do. Not like not because you like want to have a pity party for yourself. Yep. That's and that's I, great advice. That's right. great advice. And and I, I do the same thing. I'm up at five, I'm in bed early, but it gives me that free time in the morning. Um, the last, last theme that I wanted to cover, um, the Starbucks incident, you know, uh, transform setbacks into opportunity, right? Uh, I, and I think the Starbucks incident was a great, uh, example of, of that. And then also, I think you mentioned target was another, uh, thing, but can you talk about those and, and just, you know, uh, some of your thoughts on how, important that is for someone who's building a business yeah so basically um you know the situation with starbucks we get we got into starbucks which was like a a major high point on our timeline and then um we learned after a year and a half of working with them that we were doing like triple the business that um that they had said was like you know, good, like on a daily basis, we were in 11,000 locations, you know, there's a Starbucks on every corner, we were everywhere, just with one flavor, the Blackberry. Sometimes there's 
two on a corner. Like in the East Village, you had like by Astor Place, totally. you had a couple of Starbucks within a block. <laughs> yeah, and we were only in the U.S., but I mean, there was like the Starbucks relationship also got us into the military bases. Um, there's a bunch of Starbucks. And so that was like another piece of this that, you know, they did a lot of work for us that we wouldn't have been able to like do, right? We wouldn't have, like, we were too young of a brand to go and get into military bases mm -hmm. and have like all those credentials and whatever. Starbucks totally like figured out how to do that for us. And we rode along with them. But then a year and a half into the relationship, we get the phone call that they're going to kick us out. And um, I was like, why? Because we're doing super well with you. So like, why? And they said, well, we're going to put food into the case and it has its, you know, higher um, price and, you know, bigger margin and the whole thing. So it all was logical to me, but it wasn't in my favor. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's it was two weeks, right? They gave you two weeks or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it a little less than two weeks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so the, so the, like the way I felt that day was just, um, you know, it, I hated Howard Schultz. I mean, I, I was just like, how could he do this? Like, this is terrible. I have to go back to my investors and tell my investors that we have all this product that we may need to destroy in the warehouse. And like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, basically, there was nothing we could do. And that's when, to grab a drink, a hint. Mm. And that's when, you know, I was thinking, thinking, thinking. And, you know, I, I sort of rationalized it by, um, by, you know, realizing that there were some good things, including he got us into like the military. And then also we were exposed to all these consumers across the U.S. that wouldn't have, we, you know, we weren't in the Midwest anywhere. Um, and so... I had to figure out how to communicate or, or basically how to have a dialogue with these consumers. And Starbucks wasn't going to give me any information on who was buying Hint. And so we ended up getting a phone call from Amazon. And shortly after this all happened, and it was, it was interesting because the guy who called me um, said, oh, I buy your product all the time at Starbucks. And I'm like trying to figure out, should I actually share with them that we just got kicked out? Or, and he was, you could tell by his voice that he was really paranoid that, you know, we were going to have a long lead time because he really wanted to, you know, start tomorrow. And I said, you know, I have a bunch of Blackberry in my warehouse. If you, you know, I can send a truck today. And so he did. And, you know, they, they put it on Amazon Grocery and we became one of the number one um, products on, on grocery in different categories. And, and then they were starting Amazon Prime, which is their subscription business. And so they put us into that and they were like, you, I mean, we were like the number one product on Amazon Prime. Like people were ordering it and then, you know, getting subscription every month of the, of the product. And it was fascinating because I ended up getting a phone call again from Amazon, like about almost a year into the business. And they said, we love working with you guys, but we want you to know, like, it's so interesting what's different about you versus these other like beverage companies that the consumer that's buying your product is also buying like diabetes monitors mm -hmm. and like healthier kind of products or healthy perception products, all health. Like there was like yeah, this yeah, health yeah. halo that was hanging versus the person who was buying like the diet soda 
was also buying something that was obviously not good for them, right? Like they and Chips they were like, it's whatever. just yeah. yeah, like it, it was very data driven. It was very and and all of a sudden, like I remember having these conversations, thinking you know, and really listening, thinking that's what I loved about like working in tech, that it was like a lot of data and a very interesting like conversations. And I said, you know, I'd to the guy at Amazon, I said, I'd love to like reach out to some of these customers and talk to them a little bit more. And they said, Jeff Bezos isn't going to give you the data. And so I, and so I decided to launch our own direct to consumer business primarily because I wanted to get some, I wasn't, and you know, that's a story in the book too, where like, I basically kind of bet my job on the idea of launching this direct to consumer platform where everybody was worried and like giving me doubts about launching our own direct to consumer business because they were like, Oh, Amazon's going to crush you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like what I learned at AOL is like, if you think that the consumer is driving the decisions, if you don't believe that the consumer is driving decisions, then you won't like, jump into, you know, this conversation. But if you believe that the consumer like has choices and they're going to make choices every single day, then like we just have to have it as an option and that there'll be an Amazon option. And there'll also be, you know, lots of grocery stores out there. Mm -hmm. And that was like, that was a lot for people to like hear that. And there were many people who thought I was wrong um, but I'm like, no, 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 just like watch. And, and truthfully, I wasn't sure that I was like 100% correct. But what I wanted was data. I wanted the health data to really understand how this consumer, because I felt like if we had our own site, we could also test flavors. We could do a lot of stuff. We'll never be as big as Amazon. Today, we're actually, our product is more on our site than actually on Amazon. We're still on Amazon and we love Amazon because a lot of people go there just for convenience. Yeah. Like there's a lot of products on there. We'll never have that many products, right? But I'm bringing this whole journey up because one day when I was lo looking at the, um, at, at the business that we've created on drinkhint.com and I really started thinking about it, I said, Amazon that buyer, the first thing out of his mouth was you were in Starbucks and I remember buying you at Starbucks. And so it's again, just evidence where your journey mm -hmm. is like your journey. Right. And that was like, I was a bummer. I'm not going to lie. Like yeah. it was, it was a total bummer. And I didn't like the fact that they gave us two weeks. There were a lot of aspects, but the other thing that I learned is that the reason I cared so much about that relationship was not just because Starbucks is obviously like a great brand and mm -hmm. was that I wanted to be exposed to all of these customers mm -hmm. and sell lots of product, which we did. But in addition, what I learned about that, which I've never made that mistake again, is that 40% of our overall business was sitting in Starbucks hands. Mm -hmm. And so when they called to say bye-bye, then I actually really cared, mm -hmm. right? That made me nauseous. It made me nervous. It made me like regret. And I went through that whole journey and I was like, I'm not going to do that again, right? Like I didn't sit here and say, oh, what, you know, whatever. I'd still work with Starbucks today, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I yeah. Uh, like, but, and there were, you know, pieces, like I said, with, that I didn't love, like along the way, but I said, I, I got some good things out of it, though, too. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean, that 
I think if you can, whatever, put on your big girl undies or whatever and say to yourself, like, it wasn't perfect, right? Like, and, and that's life too. Yeah. Like, I mean, the number of people who have shared with me, like they moved to a city, they didn't really like it. I'm like, but you know what? Like you did it and you learned. Yep. That's good, right? You yep. dated a, you dated somebody that you were like, eh, you know, I'm like, but then you learned, right? Like, and that's what I think about, like more people need to get on that train. Yeah, and you learn not to put your eggs in one basket. You know, you, you, you know, too many, too many uh, brands are like, oh, I want to get, you know, put all my business here. They, they get so much with, whether it's Walmart or Costco or Sam's Club, whatever. And then, like you said, if there's a reason, and Starbucks had a logical reason for delisting the product, can happen anytime. But if it's 80% of your business, you're dead. You're dead. But also, like, they did a lot of really good things along the way, too. And I don't, you know, I don't regret that we ever went into it. But again, like, sometimes things happen, especially when you're in the moment and mm -hmm. you're thinking, like, oh, my God, this is terrible. This is awful. Like, you know, it's also a story of keeping your cool, too, right? Like I wanted to call Howard Schultz up on the phone and tell him off, right? <laughs> like, and I'm kind of glad I didn't, right? Yeah. Like, and, and I think like, that's just, it's just important. Like, there were so many important lessons in there. Um, you know, and, and I'll say one more thing about my book that I think is fascinating. I had one, not very, it wasn't a terrible review of my book. But it was a, it was a review that was like, um, basically, you know, Kara's told us about her journey and she doesn't tell us how to go and start a company like one, two, three. And I'm like, no entrepreneur that I know can actually go back and tell you, here's how you get into Target, right? Like it, it, it's not that you don't ask. It's just that people always have these stories. Well, we tried there and then we didn't. And, but nobody can solve your problems for you, mm -hmm. right? Like it's always done a different way, right? Like maybe some yeah. people are doing business through ECRM and it worked great for them because the buyer like just so happened he wanted that product or what, whatever it is. It doesn't mean like you should never like do business with ECRM again if it didn't go the same way or mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. just... It's just people have to do the journey and you have to try and you have to go and like try and find your own way. And sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. And then, and you have to. And it's never a straight path. I mean, it, you're going to bounce around. And I yeah. think if your, your book shows anything, it shows as an answer to that person's question is that there is no straight, okay, one, two, really? three, four. Because one, if you're breaking new ground, right? If you have a new product, whatever it is, new service, you're breaking new ground, there shouldn't be much to measure it against. So totally. you're going to be bouncing all over the place along the way. And as long as you learn from your mistakes and, and, and you pick yourself up and, and, you know, keep going forward, that's what, you know, that, what do they say, that, that 10 year overnight success, you know, it's, totally. it's, it's like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I mean, I met, um, Mike Rapoli, who is, you know, very instrumental in building vitamin water with Rohan and, you know, Darius was obviously the founder, but I mean, the stories that they've told me over the years too, I mean, you know, it's, it's just like, there's no straight path ever mm -hmm. for these, like, you know, I, I think by the time people even knew that vitamin water was around, it was like 12 years old, 
Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, people like, and people are like, wait, what? It's like 12. And again, like so many stories, I think, you know, there were stories, I think Darius went bankrupt at like the first couple of years, mm -hmm. like, you know, and, and, and then he sold the company for, you know, a lot of money, right? Brilliant. Like it's yeah. just, right. And, and so, and, but again, like people, I think so often people focus on, you know, the, the unicorns mm -hmm. and in every category. Yep. And then the failures. And I've always found the stuff in between mm -hmm. to be way more interesting. And, you know, how do you like, how did they get there? How did they think about things? Were you mm -hmm. scared? Were you like, you know, and those are always like the conversations that I think are, you know, it doesn't really matter if they win or they lost. Yep. It's like, it's like, tell me about like, like what happened that was like, like people used to tell me like, don't like don't even try and go into like a a store that you're not ready for because you'll you'll like you'll get kicked out and i'm and i'm like and and then what will happen and they're like and then you'll never get back in there again and and today i will tell you that like you should be ready to go into a store for sure and have enough inventory and kind of like you know like be able to handle it but can I actually say that if you get kicked out, you'll never get back in? No, because I know a lot of, we got kicked out of stores. Like we, you know, stuff happened along the way. And then, you know, we came back with, you know, like saying, okay, here's what we did wrong. Like, yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly what happened. And I've been in many, sometimes my sales team has said, Carol, will you come with me? Cause you've got the history and, you know, and I'll, go in my dog and pony show. And I said, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what happened and I'll own it. Right. But in, and you're more likely to be able to like the fact that you actually show that, you know, you did some wrong things. Like mm -hmm. I love it when I meet people like that. I, inter I, I'm more likely, I remember when I was first building this company and, you know, I would meet people who had been like fired from their job and people would say to me like, Oh, they've been fired from their job. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's so much better if you've been fired from your job because you're not going to do it again, hopefully. Yep. Right. Yep. Like you're, and, and I said, the key is like actually understanding if they know why. I mean, if they're a criminal, that's a whole yeah. other yeah. like story. <laughs> but if they did something wrong, then, and, you know, then like, and they can share it and they can own it. Like those are the mm -hmm. best people. Right. Yeah, there's, but, there's an old stoic, um, um, I don't know. It's not really a saying, but you know, in Stoic philosophy, they 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 were talking about you know everybody had celebrates the the people that are coming back after being victorious in battle, but the ones they admire the most are the ones that are injured with bandages, you know, the ones yeah. that really left it out there on you know and, and did it. And you know, I think it's just you know what you're saying is exactly that. I mean, it's nobody has that smooth, perfect. And I see it among entrepreneurs that we deal with at uh, our sessions across all categories. You know, there's the overnight success is extremely rare. And it's usually that zigzag failed, you know, failed on this, fixed it up, learned from it, did it again, messed up, did it again, did, you know. And then as long as you just keep going forward, and like you said, journey, it's a journey. And, and it's not a clean journey. It's a messy journey. Totally. And, and I think like that is the, that's the message I hope people get out of this book too. And that, you know, just because there isn't a roadmap, 
you know, that seems clear to you. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't just go and jump into it and go try. And then the one other thing that I'll leave you with too, that I always thought about, and, and I think more people need to remind themselves about is no one can undo what you've accomplished. Right. And so I always felt like when I was launching hint, like it was a little scary. Like I, you know, I didn't know exactly what I was doing along the way, but I kept like reminding myself that I had built something pretty big in tech. And I was like, and, and I would even joke about it when I was, when people would say to me, oh, do you ever work for, you know, one of Coke or Pepsi or vitamin water? Nope. Didn't do that. Like, I was like, have you, have you worked <laughs> on it? Like, what was that like? How did you do, you know, and I would get their stories. And after a while they would get to know me a little bit, mm-hmm. but then they'd say, well, so what did you do before? And I was like, oh, I was in tech. And then they would start to learn from me too, mm-hmm. like along the way. And then they would realize like, she's no dummy. She's done some like, she worked, you know, for some pretty incredible people. She's built some like great things. Like she's okay with like not having all the answers. And, and I felt like that like those were the conversations where actually those people would end up wanting to help me. Because I, because they were like, oh, she's actually like asking kind of really interesting questions that not everybody who's in the industry actually asks. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how, like, why do we have to use preservatives when we're, you know, creating a product? And like everyone would, you know, the, the just cause answer, like that never like went over in my house growing up because <laughs> I had two really, you know, wild brothers and my parents would say just because, and I was like, but why? And they'd be like, just because. And I'm like, I just kept asking, you know, until I, and so the same theory, you know, for businesses, I think it's like, when people answer with like these stock answers, it's like, just move on, like try and figure it out. Like Mm -hmm. after a while, they're not, they're probably not going to give you the answer because they're not as curious as you are. Yeah. Right. And then go find somebody else who helps you think about this stuff or, and sometimes people say, I have no idea. Wow. That's really interesting. When you find out, call me back. And I would, I would call these people back and I'd be like, remember I was in talking to you like six months ago. And, and again, like that's just building relationships. Yeah. Right. It's just like, people would be like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Like and the I fact thought- that you did that, I'm sure they loved it. The fact that you thought about them, remembered and actually called them back to, to give yeah. them that information. And then that net, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, like how that network mm-hmm. just would start expanding because then they would like, meet somebody and they'd be like, Oh, you should talk to Kara. Mm-hmm. She's actually like, she thinks about this stuff. And then that, you know, that would continue, you know, yeah. in everything from fundraising to like, people would re- start reaching out to me and sort of like say, you know, Oh, that's really interesting that you had that question. You had, you were really curious because people like curious people, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes you're a pain in the ass, you know, that you're just, and they don't Comes want people to deal with <laughs> curiosity. Right. But there's yeah. a lot of people out there that actually would prefer to, you know, figure things out. And, and I think that that's the, and they want to be around people who want to be like that too, and who are curious and want to explore and, and don't have all the answers. And I think there's more people like that today than ever before. And I think that's an important quality for anybody that's looking to grow something on their own. And, and uh, you know, because you have to, and, and that need, you're curious, you want to learn, and you don't get satisfied with anything. You just keep going, improving, improving. So totally. great I, stuff. 
Thank you. Thank well, you thank so much. This yeah. has been awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's super, super great. So thanks for having me and, and, um, and love that you're getting the book out there to people. And um, yeah, we have a custom link from, uh, from your team. Uh, you have, I, I love working with your, your marketing and social team. So I'm going to make sure we have the link out on the post and uh, definitely want to get the word out. I think it's, it's especially beneficial at this time, you know, with uh, COVID and all that. So again, undaunted. Uh, check it out. And Kara, thank you so much, especially for all your time and uh, all, the, all of the cool stuff that you're doing. Thank you so much. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Take care.